This is Can I Laugh on Your Shoulder? Welcome to Can I Laugh on Your Shoulder. I'm Molly Stillman, and this is a podcast where I get to sit down with a different guest each week and have raw, funny, often brutally honest conversations about the things that matter most, faith, business, life, and everything in between, where we each learn how to be good stewards of the things we've been entrusted with, even our stories, and how we can use those things to serve others and leave our families, our friendships, and our communities a little better than we found them. I want to create a space where people are unafraid to be themselves and unafraid to ask the questions the rest of us are thinking. My goal is to make you laugh, cry, and laugh till you cry. Well, I have a very exciting guest this week because my guest is probably the most, uh, I don't want to say the most special guest because my husband has been on my show, but I have arguably the second most special guest and that is my daughter, Lily. Lily, welcome to the show. Hi, everybody. (laughs) Um, Lily has been wanting to be a guest on the show for a while, but I also thought it would just be really fun because this week's episode is a special, very much requested topic from both the, I guess you could say the Instagram community and the podcast community. And we are going to be talking about the 10 things that we have learned in two years of living on our farm, on our homestead. So 10 things we've learned in two years of homesteading. We by no means claim to be experts. We by no means claim to have all of this figured out. In many ways, we are still just kind of flying by the seat of our pants. But I will tell you that we dove into the homestead slash farm life, and we have learned a lot in two years. So we're going to go through the 10 things that we've learned. And so if you have ever just been straight up curious, if you've ever wanted to maybe even move to a farm yourself, or you yourself have thought about you know the homestead life, or this whole concept is completely foreign to you because you live in a penthouse apartment in Manhattan, but you're just like, I'm fascinated and I want to know more. Hopefully this episode is for you. So first, before we get it, dive into our 10 things, Lily, why don't you give us the Lily 101? So this is what all my guests do. They tell us who they are, what they do, and how they got to where they are today. So who are you? What do you do? And how did you get to where you are today? Hello, my name is Lily Stillman. And um, how old are you? I am uh, nine. And what grade are you in? I'm in third grade. And what do you like to do? I like to play outside and read and draw and listen to music. What's your favorite music? All music. What's your favorite of all music? Instrument or just song? Like type of music? I like the blues. The blues? (laughs) What? The blues? I like... um. 90s music, get it from my mom, (laughs) and I like rock music and pop music, but I also like listening to the piano. You like country? You like worship music? I like all music. That's what I told you. All right. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for joining me today. This is going to be great. Um, Okay. So we're going through the 10 things that we have learned in two years of farming and homesteading. So Lily and I kind of talked about this. John and I obviously talk about these things all the time. So I've kind of compiled 
10 things really in no particular order. So don't, listeners at home, don't get hung up on the order. Okay, so we're just going to kind of go through. So the first thing that we have learned in two years of homesteading is sometimes things won't go your way. No, they will not. They will not go your way. No, no, they do. They do not go your way. (laughs) So what we mean by that is, for example, let's let's give some examples for each of these. So the first example is last year, our, you know, year one, we built a small greenhouse on our property. And then what happened to that greenhouse? It went bye bye. Well, what happened to it? There was a storm and it actually like literally blew away. Yes. So it was completely destroyed in a storm. And that was really unfortunate because we had a lot of things in that greenhouse at the time. Lots of things. And so we were really bummed about that. And so here we are in year two. And my husband was determined to do a greenhouse again. But this time we did a different style. We did a tunnel greenhouse, which is a different style. And you probably if you ever drive by like a big, large scale farm, you know what a tunnel greenhouse looks like. And so my husband with light assistance from his children and his wife, put together this 25 foot by 14 foot greenhouse. And um, it's, you know, it's a really solid structure. Like it's not going anywhere in a storm. It's stable. It is very stable. However, the the roof of it or the covering of it is basically just a large glorified sheet of plastic. And so we've had it up for a couple of weeks now. We started some seedlings. And one night, our livestock guardian dog, who I'm sure we will talk about at some point during this, Fanny, crawled underneath of the plastic, got in there, stole his spray bottle, chewed that up, got into all the seeds, chewed those up, (laughs) knocked over all the seedlings. So he basically had to start over from scratch. Then the next night, he or he had started another tray of seedlings and then those mostly died out. I mean, it's just been like this like constant uh, rat race of trying to get seedlings started in this greenhouse. And that's that feels like it should be really easy, but it's not. And that is so often how things go on the farm is you go into a project expecting it to go one way and it just doesn't. I have another example. So every year we always get meat birds and chickens, and they always end up dying. <laughs> like we got a batch of eighty meat, eighty meat birds, and last Friday, last Friday we got eighty meat birds in the mail. And how many died? Like twenty five? No, we are down sixty five. <laughs> sixty five birds have died in the last three days. Yeah. So they're going to die. Well, we, okay, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves, but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But that's a great example, a perfect example of sometimes things don't go your way. And that happens, again, in every single category, I can probably guarantee you that if you have an idea for something on the farm, it's probably not going to go the way that you think it is. Um, But I think that that very perfectly leads us into number two. And that is, it's expensive. It costs monies. Yes. Moving to the farm, living the homestead life is not for the faint of heart. And it is also not cheap. 
it is a sacrifice. Uh, we kind of joke all the time about probably the lavish vacations we could take <laughs> if we were not spending all of our money on farm stuff. I'm actually not. We would not be taking lavish vacations. But I'm just saying, like, we were before we moved here, John and I were like, what? Or we were talking about this recently. Like, he was like, what did we do with our money <laughs> before we moved here? Uh, because all of our money goes to farm stuff. Um, it's just expensive. Feed is expensive. Animals are expensive. Gardening is expensive. Fencing, which we will get into, is expensive. Infrastructure is expensive. And then you have just vet bills or you have, um, you know, repairs that need to be done. And again, with those chickens, when they die, you're, you might get a few new ones, but probably not like 60. <laughs> Yeah, she's not wrong. So it costs money. It does cost money. In in theory, you want to say in theory, you're saving money in the long run. But I don't actually know that that's the case. I'm not convinced that that is the case. And I don't think anybody really goes into this kind of lifestyle and says, this is going to save me money because I'm raising my own meat or I'm growing my own vegetables. I don't think anybody is actually that delusional. But no, maybe. no, 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 no. <laughs> Okay, well, number three, Lily, do you want to read that one? Yes. Death happens. Death happens. So I want to tell a story because I think that this really illustrates how far I've seen you come here in the last couple of years. So when we moved here, you know, Lily was seven when we moved here. And in two years, you are, I mean, you're, you've changed a lot in a lot of ways and you're so mature now. Um, but when we first moved here, I remember like the first week we got here, we got baby chicks. And Jerry died. <laughs> here she is. Okay. So we had these. Okay. You want to tell this story? Yeah. So we got this batch of big chickens and they weren't big. They were babies. Yeah. They were, we had a, medium-sized batch of baby chickens and we had named all of them in like one day and one of the chicks was named jerry and he was our favorite because he was the sweetest and he was he would always just like climb into our hands and then just like stay there he was the cutest chicken of all of them and like four days later he just had to go and die <laughs> and how did you handle jerry's death Badly. <laughs> so that was the first introduction. I mean, we were not living here a week. Uh, we, truly, we had been here not even a week. And we had already lost sweet Jerry. May he rest in peace. So that was your first introduction into death. And it, let's just say, did not get better from there. <laughs> As the, I, it is truly impossible to count the amount of animals that have died on the farm in the last two years. Chickens love to die. They love to die. Um, let's talk about our first batch of guinea fowl. Mm. So if you don't know what guinea fowl are, let me give you a quick rundown. So guinea fowl are a type of, they're in the, the poultry family. They're a bird. They originated, I think, from Africa, but they are really cute as babies, real funny looking as adults. They are, to me, people, okay, people either love guineas or they hate hate guineas. There is no in between. We are in the camp of loving guineas. They are the most hilarious. They're like stand up comedy in your backyard. 
are they're your backyard stand-up comics. They are so funny because they, one, they look really funny. Also, this is the visual that I like once I saw it, I could never unsee it. If you've ever seen the animated version of Cinderella, like the original and like when the stepsisters run, the stepsisters, and they like hold their dresses out and they have those like the little the, the poofy things on their butt. That's what guineas look like to me when they run is <laughs> the evil stepsisters from Cinderella. <laughs> um, also, they make the most obnoxious sound on the planet. The boys make this sound that's like chit, 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 chit. But then you have the girls who are like, uh, what? Uh, <laughs> that is not what the sound that they make. The girls make up <laughs> like I can't even do it. It's it's really obnoxious. It's really loud. Also, they're very stupid. I think they're descended from the dodo bird. Like they're just not smart. They love to find ways to die. They will just like run into oncoming traffic. And they'll eventually become Celine Dion. Well, okay. So our second really big introduction into farm death was this batch of guineas we got. So our first batch of guineas we got in May, like end middle of April, yes. end of May of 2021, right after we'd moved here. And we had gotten 15, 15 guineas and we'd had them in the brooder for a couple of weeks. And then once they get to a certain size, you move them out to um, like a coop. I mean, some people just release them on their land. For us, we we want to coop them because we really want them to to stick around. Anyway, so we had had this structure on the farm that we were like, oh, this will work great. We'll just cover it with a tarp. It'll be great. No. It was not great. Um, well, it turns out that that structure was not foxproof. And so we learned this lesson the hard way. So essentially, we came out one night, and I think the first night we had five go, and then like one was left bloodied. Bloody. Yeah. So the fox had taken five and then left one bloodied. And then the next night we had tried to secure it more, and he somehow got a couple more. Anyway, within a matter of like three days, we were down to one guinea. If you've ever heard the saying, sly as a fox, ain't nobody lying there. <laughs> you are correct. And so we had one remaining guinea. The fox got 14 uh, of our 15 guineas. All by myself. And so we had a lone remaining guinea named Celine Dion. And she lasted over a year. We had her for like almost a year and a half. And then last fall... She died like Jerry. Uh, she, no, she died because she got into, she jumped or flew over the our neighbor. I say neighbor. It's not even like they live close, but the fence of another farm right by us and the dog got her. And <laughs> my neighbor had just called. We were like on vacation. Yeah, we, were at the we, beach. we were at the beach and she put. Celine in a trash bag and just put it in our yard. Yeah, she was like, here's your dead bird and just like left it in our yard. So that happened. I mean, so we've lost guineas. We've lost ducks. We had stray dogs come on our property, kill some ducks. We've had disease. Uh, we've had like some just go missing. Then we've had hawk attacks. We've had owl attacks. We've had coyotes. We've had foxes. Then we got uh, we had a baby goat last year named Jolene who like randomly died. We still don't know what happened there. We had to put my dog Audrey down. I'm just telling you the amount of death that we've happened on the farm is 
Not for the faint of heart. Lots of funerals. Lots. And, and black clothes. <laughs> um, I'll tell you, like, it's not that you don't, you don't want to become desensitized to it, but at, at some point you do learn how to handle it but there always are like Celine we were very sad about Jolene we were really sad about um Jerry Lily still obviously is not over Jerry so but when the meat birds die I'm just like okay they're dead whatever well and I, and I would say with that other part because you know on the flip side we do raise and harvest our own animals for food but that's a very different kind of death where it's a dignified death and it's quick and we are honoring the animal because it is, you know, providing food for our family and, you know, we all of those things. So it's, it, but it, it's just different. And then, you know, some of our animals admittedly are our pets. So we, we've, we're still at that. I know that there are some farmers and homesteaders that are like, don't ever name your animals. They're not pets. That's not us. We just. When people ask me, how many pets do you have? A hundred and eight. <laughs> so. They're like, where'd you get all those pets? I don't know. The Home Depot? <laughs> All right, well, let's go on to number four. So number four is, it is so much fun, but it's also a whole lot harder than we thought. Now, I feel like we've kind of covered this in the first three, but uh, what about it? Like, how would you answer this? I'd probably say that it is fun to watch your animals run around and it's fun to take care of them. It's fun to pet them. It's fun to raise them. It's fun to eat them. <laughs> but it is also really hard work. Like, uh, for example, our goats, they are so fun to watch and they're so fun to pet, but they are so much work, so much work and so much fencing. Yes, it is. It's but it's just it's a lot of fun, um, but it is. It's a whole lot harder than we thought. And I don't we were not naive coming into this, but the reality is until you jump into the farm or homestead lifestyle, you don't realize how much work goes into it, but it is a lot of fun. All right, that was a quick one. Let's go to number five, and that is the work never stops. So this is something we obviously, again, knew going into it. However, we have realized that the farm doesn't doesn't take a vacation. So if we want to travel, which we enjoy traveling, we certainly have not done much of it in the last two years. But if we want to even go for the weekend to my in-laws, you know, so my kids can see their grandparents. We have to hire somebody and pay them money to watch our birds. Honestly, they kind of like it. Like our friend Emma and Abby, they like... We'll pay them, but they don't even want the money. They just like being at our farm. <laughs> well, they've done it one time. Uh, <laughs> and we did pay them. Yes. But, you know, anytime we go somewhere, we have to find a farm sitter. And that is somebody that we have to trust to not only stay here, but to care for our dogs and our barn cats and our goats. And it's not somebody who can just kind of like get up in the morning and feed the dog and be done. Like there's 
morning and evening chores, you know, we have to really plan far in advance. We cannot be spontaneous. Like it's just not possible for us to be spontaneous and just up and go to the beach for the weekend or up and go to the mountains for the weekend. We we cannot do that. We have to plan well in advance. Um, the other thing too is even like, for example, even if we're going somewhere in the evening, we have to plan our departure from the farm or when we come home around dark because we have to put up our animals and do evening chores. Sadly, daylight saving messed that up because now they're only going to go in the coop when it's dark. But now that it's going to be brighter when we need to leave, we have to wait even longer just to put the dang birds up. <laughs> but, you know, we have to we have to do evening chores. We have to feed all the animals. We have to lock up the coop, all those kinds of things. And so we are, you know, we really have to plan around that. So the work never stops. All right. Number six, Lily, you take this one. Babies are really, really fun. The farm has a lot of death, but it also has a lot of birth and a lot of babies. And as Lily said, we have hatched baby chicks. We've you know, ordered baby chicks, baby guineas, baby ducks. Baby ducks are... Oh, baby ducks. That's... Oh, oh you can't, can't get better than baby ducks. I don't know. You can get better than baby ducks, and that would be baby goats. <laughs> you have a point. So when we first got our goats over a year ago, back in the fall of 21... We had gotten a mom and her two boys, and the boys were grown. But when the mom came to us, both John and I, within a day or two, we were like, I think she's pregnant. But we couldn't confirm that with her previous owner. And sure enough, a month later, she she birthed two baby goats right here on the farm. And Lily was present for the birth, and I was present for the birth. And uh, it was... So much fun. So it was also on butchering day, like the circle of life. So <laughs> so my dad was up at the barn cutting chickens' heads off while mom and like, and we had had like a bunch of other people come to our house while mom and like all these other people are just watching birth happen while my dad's up at the barn just cutting slick chickens' heads off. <laughs> well, it was turkey butchering day, but still turkeys heads off <laughs> um but she's right and but it was so much fun and that season of having baby goats was oh my gosh it was the best and then our best friends the Vanisex, who also have a small farm and they live uh, like a mile from us they've had two sets of baby goats in the last couple of months and i just don't think i will ever tire of birth i just think it's amazing and baby animals are the cutest and I already want to get Maria, our mama goat, pregnant again so we can have baby goats this summer. Yes, and goats are super fun when they're babies, but when they grow up, they are the worst. Okay, well, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, <laughs> all right, so number seven is fencing is the thing I never knew I wanted so badly. So uh, when we moved here, you know, this had been a working farm at one point time, but the fencing was all, it, it's all rotted and rusted. And so the reality is we had no fencing infrastructure when we came here. And when you have animals, you need to fence them. Although we free range our goats now, but that's a different conversation for another day. 
I would like to keep them inside of a fence. But we need more fencing and you never realize how expensive fencing is. And it wasn't until I moved here where now when I drive around, especially we live in the country, so we drive by a lot of farms all the time. And it wasn't until I moved here where I started noticing everyone else's fencing and going, how do they do their fencing? And how much money did that fencing cost? And these are questions my 21-year-old self definitely never (laughs) asked. But John and I were actually talking about this year how if or depending on how much our tax refund is, we're probably going (laughs) to use it for fencing money, uh, which is not very exciting. But I'll tell you, the more fencing we have means we can get more animals, right? We want sheep and we also want cows. But what do we need? Fencing. Correct. Correct. All right. Number eight. Goats are an animal you love to hate. Okay. Um, she's, you seem very aggressive about that. <laughs> All right. Now, I understand that there are some goats who are really great. They're very friendly. They're small. They're cute. They're adorable. Those are not our goats. (laughs) We have small horses. They're just huge. We have very big goats. Um, They are La Mancha goats, which are big. And then one of our or two of our goats are half La Mancha, half fainting goat. But they are on the big side. They're they're not small animals. I've been to other people's farms where have like Nigerian dwarfs or pygmy goats. And then these like cute, precious little goats. And then ours are just these massive, enormous creatures. So I really do love our goats. They're very funny. Just moments ago, while Lily and I were recording, we were watching them outside of the window of my office. They you know, can provide a benefit if you were to milk them, although our mama goat won't let us milk her. So that's great. And then people say that goats will eat all your poison ivy. Ours don't. They don't. They don't. Ours don't. Ours eat the expensive perennials and the beautiful flower baskets and our magnolia tree and our apple trees and our peach trees and all and our berry patch. But they skip right over the poison ivy. So (laughs) I don't know. So they're messy. There's also a lot more maintenance in them than you would expect. You have to keep up with deworming them. You have to keep up with vaccinations. You have to keep up with trimming their hooves and they're big animals. So you can't just like take them to a vet office. You have to have a mobile ruminant and camelid veterinary tech come to your house. And anytime you have a vet come to your house, it's going to cost a lot of money. Like pretty much anytime the vet comes, we're spending at least $700. Like it's just not cheap. Um, So, you know, looking back, would I have gotten the goats that we have? I'm I'm not sure. I might have really pushed to get a different kind of goat. But we have them. We love them. And uh, also, they drive us crazy sometimes. They do eat the weeds, but not the poison ivy. Yeah. All right. Number nine. And this is one of the ones I love the most. And that is we have learned a lot about God since we moved here. And I will say, like, when you get into caring for animals or you get into the garden or gardening in general 
or to just sitting outside and watching the sunrise and the sunset and paying attention to the seasons and weather and how weather affects us. And suddenly you're really, really aware if we've had too much rain or not enough rain. And seeing the birth of a goat, but the death of a turkey. Yeah, you really see God's design in things. It's just really amazing especially when you, you know, plant this tiny, tiny like lettuce seed and then you get lettuce all summer long or this tiny tomato seed and you get, you know, dozens and dozens of tomatoes from one tiny little tomato seed or you watch uh, a mama hen, you know, sit on the go broody and sit on some eggs for 21 days and then those eggs hatch and baby chicks come out and then mama hen just knows how to care for those baby chicks and like nobody taught her that that's just instinct and so she knows how to you know have those baby chicks underneath of her wing and to care for them and to show them how to free range and it's just really really amazing and you see the instincts that are in the animals I mean even when Maria was giving birth to Waylon and Willie last year goats, watching how she just knew what to do. You know, again, nobody taught her, but God put those instincts in her for what to do when she was in labor, what to do when they came out and how she cleaned them off. And And you also see how God made things like in the woods, there is this big patch of what flower is it again? It's a daffodils. Daffodils. There's this huge patch of daffodils and me and mom went there when the sun was going down and they just glittered. They it was so pretty and the sunset was gorgeous and those flowers were just blooming so beautifully and it just made me think all about how God created every single detail of those little flowers and that single sunset that happens every night. Yeah, that's so good and and we were talking about how we didn't plant those flowers there. Like I didn't plant those flowers there. You didn't plant those flowers there. Um, The previous owners did not plant those flowers there. They're just growing wild in the woods. And that's just, you know, the design of, you know, probably a squirrel maybe like picked up a seed somewhere and it dropped and or a bird like pooped out a seed somewhere. And then you have all these beautiful daffodils growing. And um, yeah, you just learn so much about God's creation and uh, just an appreciation for it by living here. Number 10 is it's rewarding and I can't imagine doing anything else. That's right. So, yes, we have talked about the hard. We've talked about the good, the bad, the ugly, the expensive part. But it is the most rewarding thing that we've ever done. It's the best decision we ever made. Moving our kids here was a big sacrifice and it was a big lifestyle change for the kids. But and let me just say. Now, my kid over here, Lily, is amazing. Um, But there are times where Lily and Amos don't exactly want to do farm chores. There there are definitely times where they are just like no hard pass. Um, But they have learned the value of work ethic. They are growing up in an environment where they know where their food comes from. They know the hard work that goes into raising and harvesting your own meat. They know the hard work that goes into planting and growing your own food. They know the hard work that goes into making your food from scratch. 
Because, like, when I was little, I thought that chicken was just made from factories. They didn't, like, raise them on a farm. They just, like, took a machine, made a, pe- uh, made a chicken nugget, and then put it in Chick-fil-A. Now I know that is not how it works. <laughs> she is totally right. Yeah, you know, they really realize the value. And they, they know the value of hard work. They realize that you know, this is, this does not come easy and that there's sacrifice involved, but it's been so rewarding. It's brought our family closer together. Um, my husband, John, he loves it. And if it were up to him, he would probably just do farm stuff all day long. Um, we each kind of have our thing that we like doing the most out of all of the different tasks. But at the end of the day, I can't imagine us ever living a different lifestyle at this point. And there are so many things that we still want to do and, and want to learn. Oh, we didn't even talk about bees. Oh, man, we had bees for over a year and then they just up and left. And we didn't even know that was like a thing that could happen. It just bees were like, peace out. We're going to go find a new hive. So we got to get new bees this year. And that made us appreciate the honey we have from those bees even more than before. I mean, it's just there's so much that goes into it, but it is so rewarding and I would not change it for a minute. Um, And I just cannot wait to see what we learn over the next year, two years, five years, 10 years. And like I've said before, I plan on being buried here. I plan on being 97 years old and sitting on that front porch with a sweet tea. Maybe at that point I will drink sweet tea. I don't currently drink sweet tea, but I kind of imagine maybe at 97 I will. No. So at 97, I'll drink sweet tea. And uh, no, you don't think so? No. Okay. (laughs) And yes, I am currently campaigning for my children to build their houses here on the farm. I'll be a neighbor. (laughs) (laughs) I am really campaigning for for my kids to own a house that's like adjacent to ours. You know, that way when you're married at 55 and have grandkids at 72, I can watch over your kids, right? (laughs) She just gave me a look. She's not even going to make a comment. Anyway, so, well, Lily, this was really fun. And those were the 10 things that we've learned in two years of homesteading. I would love to know what questions you have. Let me know on Instagram. You can send me a message. I'm at still being Molly or at can I laugh pod on Instagram or Facebook. Send us a message if you want to ask questions that might get answered in a follow up episode. I have a question. When can I do this again? (laughs) Maybe next time. We are so grateful for you listening today. Thank you, as always, for tuning into the show. If you are a new listener, welcome. I have 339 other episodes you could tune into. So you could you know, go ahead and start your binge journey now. If you are not following us, head on over to whatever podcast platform you use or listen to. And you can click that subscribe or follow button and make sure that you never miss a new episode of the show. And would you take a moment to leave a review. Leaving a review helps me to know what you like, how the show is impacting you. Thank you as always to the team at Third Wheel Media for producing the show. Again, thank you for listening. And Lily, thanks for being my guest today. You're the very cutest guest I've ever had. Coolest. Oh, sorry. Coolest guest I've ever had. That's better. (laughs) And now I hope something this week makes you laugh till you cry. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.